chapter 10. If you need a Bible, there's some there on the chairs around you. And if you are using those, you're going to go to page 759. Oh, I just noticed the car. Nice touch. Okay. All right. (laughs) So I have here something that we'll talk about. One of my daughters, Kinsley, who told me she would not get embarrassed if I said she was the one who built this, threw in a convertible last minute. (laughs) Okay. It'll work. It'll work. All right. Well, hey, we are going to um, continue in this series. Now, let me stop and just say uh, today is a family service. So if you're visiting with us this morning, it's a little different than normal. Uh, At this point, normally um, kids who are old enough would be heading out to our kids' power zone. But for holiday weekends like this, usually July 4th weekend and Memorial Day weekend and usually around Christmas, New Year's, we have a few family services where we keep them in. Nursery age kids are out there. And I know some of you guys are out there in the gathering area. And uh, just in case you got here late and it looked like there were no seats, I'm going to tell you right now, if you want some front row seats, there are some front row seats available. And you're welcome to come in here and grab those seats. But um, So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have our kids with you. So kids, raise your hand where you're at. Great. I see some hands. Okay, good, good, good. All right, you can put them down. Um, so parents, let me say this to you first. If you didn't get a, um, a packet back there on the clipboard, there's a few of them back there. If you still think you, that would be beneficial um, for your kid if they want something to doodle on. My kids swear to me that they listen better when they doodle. So that's at least what they tell me, right? So yeah, y'all grab those if you want. And then let me say this to you parents. Um, I know you've got your kids next to you. I know that's going to be a particular challenge. Sometimes they're going to whisper to you about things and they're going to distract you. And I, and I get all that and I, and I, and I appreciate that. Um, just know this, if one of your concerns is that they're being disruptive, don't worry about that so much. Most people around you are not going to be as concerned about that as you are as the parent, which is right. And, and for me, it's not going to distract me nearly as much as you might think if you even think about that. So don't worry about that. They're kids. We expect them to be kids. But at the same time, we want them to have opportunities to be with us uh, in the main service. If at some point you think, hey, this kid has got to go, and, and by got to go, I mean like get out of the room, right? <laughs> then, <laughs> and then feel free to exit these back doors and head, head right. There's a gathering area. Um, I know there's several people out there already, but there's a little more wiggle room out there, and we do have the services on the TVs out there, all right? And then we'll be taking communion together at the end of the service, so we'll be talking about that. All right, so we are in our Battleground series, and, and I tried to tell you in the email that it is going to be a little bit of a, a more kid-friendly topic today than it has been for the month of June, because our Battleground series is a series on spiritual warfare. And as you know, if you've been here or if you've been listening, it's a little bit of a different type of series than your typical spiritual warfare series. And so the month of June was all focused on demonic things, and how the demons work. So we're going to start pulling back from that. And certainly today, that's, that's going to be a, a lot less, right? And then as we go through the month of July, we're going to start to get into open doors. So um, we'll take a break from the series next week. But then on Ju- July 17th, we'll start back in on it. And we'll start looking at open doors. What are some things that open us up to um, spiritual, spiritual warfare? And then as we go toward the end of Ju- July and early August, we'll start to then start focus on what's the authority that we have in Christ? How do we engage in these things? We'll talk about spiritual armor, things like that. So that's where this, this series is going. But today we're going to talk about strongholds. Now, in how many of you kids play um, Minecraft? 
Okay, good, good. Uh, how many of you do play Minecraft? Okay. How many of you play video games where there's some kind of like medieval castles and you're trying to take down the castles? Well, I'm kind of pleasantly surprised at the lack of hands, to be honest with you, but okay. All right, so, so today we're going to talk about something that you might be aware of. Um, so in ancient biblical times, there was a type of warfare. If they were, they were battling, they called it siege warfare. Does anybody know what it means to siege? I'm going to ask the kids for a moment. Any of you kids know what a siege is? I'd be concerned if you did, okay? So now a siege is where there's an army that comes against a, a, a city or a town and they're just coming at it. And so in biblical times, here's the way they would practice the, the siege warfare. There was at least three stages, right? So here, for the sake of illustration, I have a stronghold, a fortress, right? I have, I have here a strong tower. So this would be the place where if the city's being attacked, this is where people would come and they would hold up in here. They would hide up in here so that they can form a defense against the army that's coming and they can keep their people safe. All right. This is a stronghold. This is a fortress. Now, if I'm an army that's coming up against this city, I'm going to come around this city and I'm going to surround it. It could be weeks, it could be days, it could be months, or in some cases it's years. And I'm cutting these people off, right? Eventually so that I can get over their walls and eventually I can come and I can destroy the stronghold so that there's no more place of defense, no more place for people to hide. Right? That was the first stage. Destroy a stronghold. Take away the defense place for them so that now they're exposed. Second stage of, of ancient siege warfare was now that I've destroyed their strongholds, I start taking people captive. What does it mean to take people captive? Kids? Nobody? Yo, go, Nolan, go. There you, good. I like it. I like the language even too. Okay, so taking people captive, and so you're, you're taking them as prisoners, right? Uh, today, we might call these prisoners of war, right? And so that's the second stage. So after I've destroyed strongholds, I'm going to take people captive. They become my prisoner. They're coming under new authority. They're coming under new rulership. Whatever army, whatever emperor, whatever ruler is, is coming at that city, they're now coming under his authority. And then the third stage is, so the first one is destroy the stronghold. The second is take captives or prisoners of war. And then the third stage would be this. What if I have people who are not coming under my authority? If I'm the emperor who's overtaken the city, I've got people who are continuing to resist. What do I do? Ready again? What? Destroy them. I'm, I'm, I'm going to punish them. Yeah. Whatever that looks like, they're going to be punished for their disobedience to this new authority. All right? So these are the three general stages of warfare. Now, kids, look at me here for a minute. I need to see all the whites of your eyeballs. Yeah, like that. Like that. Okay. So I'm going to need some help at the end of the sermon. Now, I'm going to be watching as I go through talking to, to some of your parents about what, what's in the scripture. I'm going to be talking to some, uh, some of your parents, but I'm going to be watching you and I'm going to be paying attention to who's watching me, who's listening to me, because I'm going to need one person to come up and help me at the end of the sermon. Does that make sense? Is that, that good? All right, sure. All right, I, I appreciate the enthusiasm. All right, so let's get into this. So here's where, <laughs> here's where we're going this morning. Spiritual warfare includes destroying systems of thought that oppose God. 
Spiritual warfare includes destroying systems of thought that oppose God. Now, this systems of thought, I'm, I'm just explaining what a stronghold is. Okay, so that's a stronghold. So spiritual warfare includes destroying strongholds that oppose God. That's, that's where we're going this morning. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10, let's look at verses 3 and 4 together. We're just looking at a few verses this morning. I'm going to try to have mercy on you this morning, parents, but I'm going to refrain from telling you that this will be a shorter sermon because every time I do that, I fail miserably at going short. All right, so verse 3. Chapter 10, verse 3, this is the Apostle Paul, and he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. All right, so before we talk a little bit about what's going on here, we need to know why is Paul writing 2 Corinthians? And you need to know also, even though we call it 2 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, it's not actually the second letter that Paul wrote to this church in Corinth. It's, 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 there, there was other ones between the first one and this one that he wrote that we don't have, right? And so he references those letters, but it's the second one that we have, which is why we call it 2 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians. And so he's writing this letter because he spent a lot of time with the people at these, uh, in Corinth, which is a city in, in the, uh, the Greek peninsula. Or I'm sorry, no, it's not. Um, but it's in, in modern-day Turkey. And so he spent a lot of time with them there. And then he left them to go travel and, and visit other churches and do ministry. But while he was gone, there are some other people that crept in. They called themselves apostles. They called themselves, sometimes uh, Paul will refer to them as super apostles, right? And they started undermining, they started undercutting the things that Paul had taught, the things that Paul had said. And they're even pointing fingers at Paul, the apostle, and saying he's too weak, He's too humble. He, he walks in the flesh or he lives an ungodly life. And, and part of Paul's um, gospel was that you are forgiven in Christ by grace, not because of anything you do, but because of what Christ has done. And so in order to be made right with God, you simply trust in what Christ has done. Well, people took issue with that because they believe that that then just allows people to live however they want. That's a problem we have today, right? That, that people take the gospel, and because the gospel is based on what God has done through Christ, and it's not based on what we do to contribute, they think that we can live however we want because I've got the forgiveness anyway. Same problem. And so these, these super apostles were accusing Paul, and they were saying this to the church in Corinth. They were undercutting Paul. So now Paul's writing the Corinthians to, in a sense, defend himself, to defend his authority as an apostle, to defend his right to, to do the things that he's been doing, to say the things that he's been saying. But he's trying to help them understand, the Corinthians, why it is that he's humble, why it is that he's weak. And so he'll say things like, it's in our weakness that God's strength is made perfect. He'll brag about his weakness because he'll say in that, that's where God's strength is made known. So this letter is all about focused on Paul defending himself to the Corinthians so that when he shows up the next time, there's been reconciliation and they're able to receive him, right? So one of the accusations that's been made is that Paul walks according to the flesh, which is a way of saying that uh, people were accusing Paul of being ungodly, living lawlessly, um, not, not being serious about sin. And so one of the ways they would talk about it is you walk according to the flesh. So Paul starts with that idea here. And he says, for we, though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. And so he's, he's making a point. He's, he's kind of twisting some things here. He says, though we walk in the flesh. And what he means here is we're human. Though we live our lives in the flesh, in the physical realm, 
That's what he's starting out. Though we do live our lives in the physical realm, in our physical flesh, as humans, as mortal people, he says, we're not waging war according to the flesh. So though I live my life as a human and human power and, and, and in the physical flesh, he says, the way I wage war, which is the way he's talking about his ministry and the things that he's doing, the way I wage war, he says, is not according to the human side. It's not according to the mortal side. It's not according to the flesh. Instead, he says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but instead they have divine power to destroy strongholds. So Paul redirects his, the people that he's writing to, and he redirects us, and he says, I don't wage war. I don't live the Christian life. I don't proclaim the gospel. I don't do ministry according to the flesh. I do it in a type of power that comes from God and has the power of God. And I have this power from God in order to destroy strongholds. Now, we talked about what a stronghold would have been in this day, right? A stronghold in this day would have been some kind of fortress, some kind of um, strong building where people could go into it and they could, they could take defense and they could either defend themselves against the incoming army or they could. So if I think that I can earn my right standing before God, and so therefore I'm telling myself I can live better than other people. I may not be the best, I may not be perfect, but I'm better than all these people, and therefore I start to, to feel good about myself, and so God's going to let me in. The cosmic scales would be tipped. That's a stronghold. That is a pattern, a way of thinking that is opposed to God and his gospel, and it needs to be destroyed. Or if I, if I were to say, um, I don't need the forgiveness that Christ died for. I will just earn my way or I'll live good enough to earn that forgiveness. Similar to the last thought, but slightly different. That's a stronghold because I'm discounting the need for Christ's death and resurrection, his forgiveness of sins. That's a stronghold. If I say things like, um, I have no value, I'm worthless. I'm just a piece of garbage. I can't do anything right and I'm beating myself up and I'm constantly having this pattern of thought. I'm opposing God. Now that one might be harder to see. How am I opposing God? Because I'm made in the image of God. Every one of you in this room, every one of you in the gathering area, every one of you watching, listen, if you are human, you are made in the image of God. Therefore, bearing the image of God, whether you're a believer in Christ or not, bearing the image of God, you are worthy and deserving of dignity, value, and worth simply because you bear God's image. This is why we treat people uh, differently as believers in Christ. This is why we, we speak to people differently because they're image bearers. So much so that the, the uh, James, who wrote the book of James in the New Testament, would say, hey, we bless God on a one side of our mouth and we curse people out of the other side of our mouth, people who are made in the image of God, and it should not be. This is why in Genesis chapter 9, when, when Noah came off the ark, one of the things that God said is, if any animal or any person sheds blood of, a, of another person, then that person's blood I will require. And the reason that God would require such a severe punishment, he connects it to the image of God. Someone who, who destroys the image of God by destroying a person is offending God. So if I'm then speaking this way to myself or to others, where I'm tearing them down or tearing myself down, I'm one, I'm speaking against someone who's made in the image of God. And James said, this should not be. 
Two, God says in Psalm 139 uh, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's the words of uh, King David. He says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And he goes on to talk about how God has known him from the time he was in the womb. He knows his words before he ever speaks them. And so when I speak this way about myself or when I have patterns of thoughts like this, I am offending the image of God because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And then I'm undermining that by my words and my thoughts and my actions. Therefore, I'm offending God. I'm gonna go one step further. If you're a believer in Christ, the way you tell something's value is how much someone's willing to pay for it. If you're a believer in Christ, you have been purchased and bought at great price. You've been purchased and bought with the very blood of Christ. Now, this is not meant to have us start to become self-focused and self-glorifying and, oh, I'm so worthy. No, the, the focus is God himself. This is God's love demonstrated for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that gives us value and worth in the sight of God. So then when I undermine that with the way I think or the uh, pattern of thinking or the way I communicate to myself or to others, I am affronting God. I am offending him and I'm opposing him. And that's a stronghold that needs to be destroyed. When I, when I see people, when I see people as tools or objects simply to be used or to be pursued for my own purposes or my own pleasure, and I just run them over and I don't see them as people made in God's image, that's a, a way of thinking, a pattern of thinking that is a stronghold. It is an affront to God because I am opposing him and his creation and his image on people. That is a stronghold that needs to be destroyed. When I start to have thoughts that are about destructing, uh, uh, destructive, uh, of a destructive nature on my body, on myself. That's a stronghold that needs to be destroyed. These are things that oppose God and his gospel. When I, when, I, when I declare that I can live any way that I want and that's opposed to God, those are strongholds. So as I'm defining this, I hope what's happening is some of you are starting to think, oh, these are all over the place. These are things that are being pushed on us and influenced by the world. Remember we looked at the first week that we belong to God, but the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Well, the values and the, the, the way of thinking, the worldview, all of that is being pushed on us by outside places. And those things are under the power of the evil one. So when I subscribe to their way of thinking, their worldview, their values, and those things are opposed to God, I'm buying into a stronghold that is in opposition to God and it needs to be destroyed, right? Are you, are you tracking with me? Okay, part of the reason I saved this message for today, one, I knew it would be a little lighter on topic-wise, but two, kids, I want you to hear this. Because some of you kids, you already experience strongholds and you're dealing with strongholds and you don't even realize it. It's the way you talk to yourself. Maybe you've heard a friend at school say something to you or a teacher has said something to you or a parent has said something to you and maybe the way they said it made you feel like you were not right, like you were not beautiful, like you, you are not, um, you don't have the right shape or size or whatever, right? Maybe you're, you're looking at the way you're designed and you say, I don't like this about me. I don't like my hair. I wish I had this. Or I don't like my nose. It's too big. Or my ears are too, too big, right? You, you have thoughts like this and they may be there because someone said something to you along the way. They made a joke. They made fun of you, but you believed it. 
and you've been telling yourself, I'm not pretty, I don't have good ears or good hair or, or whatever the case may be, or, or boys, you, you, you might be more saying, well, I can't play that sport well. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not athletic, right? Or, or I'm not good in school, I'm, sm- I'm not smart. Maybe you're saying I'm dumb, you know? And, and people have told you that, and now you're telling yourself that. And kids, I want you to hear, this could be for adults too. Kids, I want you to hear, that's a stronghold. That is a way of thinking. It's a pattern of thoughts going through your mind that is in opposition. It is opposed to God. It's an enemy of God. It is not aligned with how God wants you to think as a person who's made in the image of God, as a person who is fearfully and wonderfully made. And if you're a believer in Christ, as someone who has been purchased at great price, that is not the way that God would want you speaking to yourself, thinking about yourself, or communicating to others. That's a stronghold. And Paul says that God gives us divine power to be able to destroy those kinds of things. And kids, by the way, this is a, this is a challenge for adults too because there are a lot of adults who have this same way of thinking. A lot of adults who don't think my hair looks great or I wish I had this different shape or this different size. And I'm speaking obviously veiled, right, for you adults, but, um, or I, I don't measure up or I can't, I can't fit in this works field because I'm not smart enough or I can't keep up with this because I'm, I'm not that or I'm not gonna be a great mom because I fail in this or whatever. And so then we start to tell ourselves that and we just beat ourselves up. And it's a stronghold. It's a pattern of thinking. It's a system of thinking that is opposed to God. I am not, I am not endorsing self-love. I am not endorsing self-love. I'm endorsing you have value, dignity, worth in God because you bear his image. He gets the glory. He gets to say what your value, your dignity, and worth is. And if you're a believer in Christ, I'm endorsing you have value because you've been purchased at great price by God through Christ. That's where your value is. That's where your worth is. He alone gets to say about you what gets said. He alone gives you the value and the dignity that you're taking from him when you say otherwise or when someone else says otherwise. That's strongholds, okay? That's spiritual warfare. Sometimes those strongholds, they can come from people who are influenced by the evil one. Sometimes those strongholds can come because I'm just being influenced by the things of the world. Again, education systems, government system, banking systems, media, social media. I mean, all the things that we interact with have the opportunity to influence us. And if they're under the power of the evil one, then they're in the world, then they influence us along the lines of the evil one. And so if I'm taking from TikTok the way I should live or act or my theology, then I'm being influenced by something that's in the world, therefore under the power of the evil one. Am I saying get off TikTok? Not necessarily, but you should get off TikTok. It's just better for everybody, right? But I'm saying all these things influence us about the way we think. Sometimes in a stronghold could be demonic, all right? Sometimes that could be directly influenced by something that's whispering to us, all right? But I'm gonna save that for another day. So we destroy strongholds. He goes on and he's describing his warfare. So do you remember the stages of warfare? Kids, what did I say the first stage of of, uh, siege warfare was? Destroying strongholds. Do you remember what the second stage was? Captives, taking captives, prisoners of war. That's where Paul goes next. He says, and so we destroy arguments, every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey 
Christ. So the strongholds have been destroyed. The way of thinking have, have been destroyed. They've been identified for what they are, opposition to God, and they've been brought down, but the warfare's not over yet because there are still people from the other side running around. There are still loose thoughts that need to be dealt with. And so what does Paul say? He says, we take prisoners of war. We take captive every thought. But who do you take it captive to? To Christ, right? We take it to, the, to obey Christ. Now, if I destroyed this stronghold, and then I have people running around, I'm trying to take prisoners of war. And when I take them into my captivity, I'm putting them under the authority of the new authority, the new emperor, the new king, the new master. So whereas before they were obeying a different master, when I've destroyed their stronghold and I've taken captives, I now bring them into obedience under the new authority. So it's not enough just to destroy a stronghold, a way of thinking, a pattern of thinking. I now have to take those thoughts captive because they're gonna creep in. That pattern of thinking, it's been there for a while, it's gonna creep back in. It's gonna be suggested to me by someone else or something else. I have to take it captive. It's, if it's opposed to God, I do not let it run free. I take it captive. What does that look like? That may look like as soon as I, I acknowledge that it's going through my head, I've identified it for what it is. It's an opposition to God. That way of thinking goes against me being made in the image of God. That way of thinking goes against the gospel that says I am made right before God, not because of how I live, but because of how Christ has lived and died on my behalf. I identify it for what it is. I destroyed the stronghold, but now every time those thoughts creep in, I stop them. I don't let them stay there. I don't let them pay rent. I, I don't let them start to plant gardens and, and start to live. I take them captive. I stop them where they are and I bring them straight to the Lord and I place them under his authority. God, that thought, that thought is opposed to you. It undermines your gospel. It undermines your image in me. It undermines your love for me. It undermines whatever it is and I'm bringing it back to you. I'm taking it captive so that I don't let it run free. I'm putting it under the authority of Christ. Maybe it looks like this. So let's say you had a, you had a thought that was, I'm, I'm ugly. I just, I, I don't look as pretty as my, my classmates. Well, I've, I've destroyed the stronghold in that I know that I'm in Christ and I know that God gives me value, dignity, and worth, but the world is still hard to live in. People are still mean, right? And they say things. And so they might say something and now that starts this thinking pattern in me again. And, and I know that it's not right, but now it's there. So I've got to take it captive. I've got to stop it. I don't dwell on it. I don't turn it over in my mind. I don't let it stay there. I bring it immediately to the Lord. God, that thought, that thought is opposed to you. That thought is not of God. That thought does not line up with who you say I am. And then I start to remind myself of who I am in Christ. And I start to renew my mind, uh, Romans 12, uh, 1 and 2. One of the things that Paul says there is, um, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, this age, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I've got to retrain my thoughts so that they align with God. See, some of this doesn't sound very mystical, does it? Because it's not. Some of it is actually just work and it's discipline, and it's being able to identify things so that I can recognize when there's, a, when there's a, um, uh, someone from the other side running loose. I need to be able to identify them as a prisoner who's escaped so that I can then bring them back under the captivity. But how do I know that? 
I need to be able to know what God says. I need to know his word. I need to know what he's revealed about who he is and who I am and how this world operates and how he runs this world. I need to know those things so that I can then identify those who oppose it and those things that oppose it. So I take them captive. The third stage, so the first one was destroy the stronghold. People start running loose, so now I gotta take captives and put them under the authority of the new king, new emperor, the new master. And then what was the third thing? Did anybody remember? There might be some who are still disobedient. So what do I do with those who keep resisting? They've gotta be punished. What'd you say? destroy them. Yeah. They got to be punished, right? So that's what Paul says here in verse six, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. So Paul with some of these strongholds that he's getting after so that they're then coming into obedience again, that they're, they're aligning their lives back with what God has said, what God has revealed, what Paul has taught them about those things. And they're now living their life in light of that. He's expecting that their obedience will be, be in place so that then when he comes, he says, and then we'll be prepared to, diso- uh, to, to punish those who are disobedient. And so there's got to be a waging of war and a willingness to, to, to take some action where there might be resistance. So I've, I've taken captive, but what do I do? What are those thoughts are there? So there might need to be some hard choices. I might need to cut some things out, like TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, because those things might be propagating to me, constantly telling me that I don't measure up because I'm seeing people who don't look like me. And what I'm really seeing is I'm seeing the filtered person and I'm comparing the filtered person to my unfiltered self. Well, that's, that's not good. I'll never, my unfiltered self will never measure up to someone's filtered self. Or I'm seeing people go on vacations or I'm seeing people brag about how great of a parent they are or I'm, I'm seeing people gra- brag about how great of a husband or wife they are and, and maybe I'm not reaching that standard or I don't even have a husband or wife and I want one or I don't have kids and I want one. And, and so that then starts to, to, to have negative thoughts in me. And so I take them captive every time, take them captive, but maybe I just need to punish the disobedience. Just cut it out. Just sign out. Take them off my phone. Take them off my iPad. Don't log in unless I need to for for some reason. And put some parameters and boundaries in place. Sometimes I need to go the next step and punish disobedience. So this is strongholds, right? This is spiritual warfare. This is us engaging in everyday life. And this is how we we take what, what might be a tool of the enemy. It could be just simply a tool of our flesh our sinfulness, it could be the world influencing us. But these things get in our heads and they, they cause us to be in opposition to God because they create systems, patterns of thought. That's the key here. Is it a system of a way of thinking? Is it a pattern of thinking that is in opposition to God? If so, that's a stronghold. Now, Proverbs 21, 22 is a great way to sum this all up. A wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the stronghold in which they trust. That is our role as believers. We're scaling the mighty city and we're bringing down the strongholds in which we trust or we're helping others to do, uh, do that for the things that they trust in. We are destroying strongholds. Spiritual warfare includes destroying systems of thought, that's the stronghold, that oppose God. All right, so I said I needed a volunteer. Who's still paying attention? Who's still paying attention? I need somebody who's willing to come up here and destroy a stronghold. 
Dietrich. Come on up here. Dietrich Davis, welcome him to the stage, everybody. All right, Dietrich, how old are you? Six. Six. Now, do you, do you, does it make sense what I'm saying about strongholds? Do you know what a, if, if I asked you what is a stronghold, what would you say to me? I don't know what that is. Okay, what's this thing that's behind you? I like the honesty. What's the thing that's behind you? A tower. A tower. What's another word you might call it? What are some other things you might call it? A statue. A statue. There is a man on top of it, isn't there? Let's call him Legor, all right? What else? What else might you call it? It's a, if it's inside a castle, might, what else might you call it? Maybe a fortress? Does it look like a fortress to you? Maybe. What about a stronghold? Could it be a stronghold? Yes, good answer. Good answer. Okay, Dietrich, what I need you to do, I'm going to move this for a moment. Here, let's, um, let's come over here, all right? And I want you to stand right there. You can turn around and face the Legos, but you can wave to everybody that you just saw. You want to wave to everybody? No? All right. Do you think you can destroy this? Yeah. Do you think you can really destroy it? Do you? Do you want to do that? Do you destroy that? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe? All right. I'm, I'm going to say that's a stronghold in his life right there. Let's say you can destroy this. You have the power and the authority because I'm going to give you authority. Okay, so that's my tower. And I'm telling you, you can destroy this. And guess what? You can destroy it. Can you destroy it for me, please? Yeah, yeah do it. Just knock it down. Destroy it like you would if, if, um, if Davis was, I'm sorry, I called him Dietrich Davis. Sorry, Dietrich Leck. If Davis was building something and you didn't, you didn't like that his was bigger than yours, I want you to destroy it. Can you do that? You can destroy it. I'm giving you permission. No, just knock it down. There it is. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. You can go sit back down. Good job. All right. I'm going to leave this here now. I don't know how much of it you can see, but I'm going to try not to trip on it. We are called to destroy strongholds. You like that? Did you like that, Caleb? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. We are called to destroy strongholds. Systems of thought, patterns of thought, whether you're a kid or whether you're an adult, that's spiritual warfare. That is a battleground. That is one of the primary battlegrounds that we have to face. And so before we go into the communion, God, I'm just going to ask you to help us to understand what those strongholds are. And so right now in this room, God, I'm asking that you would, you would reveal to us if we have strongholds in our life, if we have ways of thinking, systematic ways of thinking, patterns of thinking that are in opposition to you and what you say in your word, who you reveal yourself to be, what you say in the gospel about Christ coming and dying for sinful people and raising from the dead so that those who might believe in him might be made right with you. If we have strongholds that are in opposition to that because we think we can do it better, if the way we're living our lives and we're telling ourselves that God just wants us to be happy, that's a stronghold, God. Would you show that to us if that's in our lives? If we're constantly feeling defeated and we're telling ourselves that we are defeated and that we, we can't do things right, that's a stronghold in our life that the enemy can use to keep us from living for you, from knowing you. God, would you show that if that's there to us? If I'm caught in the comparison trap and I'm comparing myself to 
all kinds of other people who do things differently than me. And as a result, I'm telling myself constantly that I can't measure up, that I can't do things right. And so then I'm not even being who my kids need me to be or who my spouse needs me to be. That's a stronghold that is in opposition to God. Would you show that to me? And then now, whatever those strongholds, God, that you're showing us now, would you remind us of the truth of the gospel that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You fully know who you had sent Christ to die for. It was while we were still sinners. You weren't looking for people who were already performing. You weren't looking for people who were getting things right all the time. You were looking for people who were in need of a savior. Jesus came It's not came and said, it's not for the, for the well that I have come, but for the sick that need the physician. God, that's us. We're impacted by sin. If we have trusted in the gospel and yet we're trying to live our lives to, to prove to you, God, that we were somehow worthy of your choice, that's a stronghold. Would you remind us that it has nothing to do with the way we live our lives, but it is how Christ lived his life in perfect obedience to you and then his willing death and, and his resurrection from the dead is what gives us new life when we simply receive that by faith. It has nothing to do with what I contribute. God, would you remind us of that, that we might then be set free from the chains and from the the things that would weigh us down as we convince ourselves that we must do something. Father, where there are ways of thinking that are destructive to ourselves or to others, God, would you remind us that people are made in the image of God and regardless of whether they're believers in Christ, they are made in the image of God. Therefore, they're deserving of value, dignity, and worth, which is why we treat people with respect and compassion, which is why we pursue justice where there is injustice, which is why we we refrain from living immoral lives at the expense of our happiness. 